You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for the West Side Community News and Forbes Sports. And today we got to cover the big news that Miles Turner finished ninth in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Just kidding, of course. The big news, Nate Bjorker officially relinquished as the head coach of the Indiana Pacers after just one season. And for such a massive news, big show, not quite emergency pod level, but big show. Joining me on the line, former Indy Corners writer extraordinaire, Mr. Adam Friedman. Adam, where were you when you found out the news? Um... Where was that? You texted me. I texted you. You didn't even know yet. Um, you know, I was about to go outside. Don't tell and me you were just waking up. It was like 1130. Well, first of all, I started my day at noon, noon oh, essential yeah. time. But no, I was uh, I was going outside to go for a run, I think. And it started raining. So I walked back upstairs and I saw your text. And I'm like, did something happen? Like, did we do we lose our jobs? <laughs> I, text, I texted Adam. I said, talk to you tonight. He said, what? <laughs> um, not oh. to just derail this podcast already, but uh where do you think Turner would have finished if uh, Ken got hurt? <laughs> Much higher than ninth. Definitely okay. would have. Been. I, don't, I don't remember who the guy right in front of him was, but I was like, oh, no way. Okay. Probably would have been top five. But That's anyways. not relevant to the show. Well, we already are off the rails. Yeah. Nate Bjorkren officially let go from the Pacers today. They took 20 days after the season ended to do so. So for the timing component, that was a little confusing at first. I think it was just basically the, the first week was like a decompression week. And then the Pacers likely and we'll get to this show tomorrow when we talk about targets but had some targets of guys in the postseason that they wanted to potentially see if they'd become available and then they made their decision after meeting with Nate Bjorkren on Tuesday that's what Kevin Pritchard said to open his uh, press conference that he had uh, right after the firing so Adam what was your initial reaction when you heard Nate Bjorkren was well not uh, sorry let me get the phrasing right Nate Bjorkren will not return as the head coach of the Indiana Pacers all right so this is I I first I want to preface and say I don't think it's great to make fun of a person when they lose their job um, just because, you know, it's a job and it's tough and I don't want anyone to get fired ever. Yeah. I mean, it's Who just like I a mean, bad person on a human to human level. Getting fired sucks. However, you must to get fired in less than eight months from a job is means they didn't do a very good job. Like yeah, I mean, I, it, it means a lot went wrong. I mean, it, whether it was your own fault or not, it's pretty hard, especially in the NBA to really only coach a team for eight months. I mean, I think the shortest tenure is the guy is a beeline out in Cleveland. Although I think months was, it might've been the same because he longer season and that's, I mean, it's, it's rare. Let's put it that way. It was very short. And yeah, the look, the Pacers have all the same excuses. We've, we've talked about with this team, the injuries, the COVID off season, they had no practice times to institute all this stuff. And they still decided to fire him, right? That, that, that I think speaks to your point of like how bad things had to go this year. And when I've explained it to people, both on other podcasts, just in my personal life, like the, it's not just like if they went 34 and 38, but because remember last summer, Pritchard's whole deal when he was hiring a coach was he wanted a really good communicator, right? That's something that they thought they kind of lacked with McMillan and they wanted a really innovative X's and O's guy. Uh, and then Bjorkern comes in and he claims to have all this, this analytical, innovative approach, but he's so rigid with it and isn't flexible. And when it doesn't work, it just kills the team. And he wasn't a good communicator off the court as well, to the point that it got out to big outlets and, and media alike. Um, 
and then seeping into, you know, the, the, that right before the Batade, uh, Greg Foster spat, like his communicate, he even admitted his communication skills aren't good. So not only did, you know, not only did a lot of stuff go wrong for him that was out of his control, like you said, but the two things he was really hard to do, make the team better and be a good communicator. He was really bad at, right. I mean, it really is an extreme, but was, was not good at them. So no, no brainer decision given what happened this season to fire him to me. No brainer is a little extreme. I don't, I don't, you know, he, he had some good ideals that I agree with, but given how the season went, it, it was the right decision to let him go. Yeah. My biggest concern with this whole thing is how you can make this bad of a decision. I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later, but. Um, well, that's a natural follow-up. We'll get to that. Yes. Because you look at it like they clearly didn't, they thought McMillan was limiting this team ceiling in some way, but I think we can see in hindsight now, he maybe was just very good at understanding a roster and how to maximize it to the best he could. Right. I mean, he's in Atlanta and he's not, they're not taking a bunch of long twos in Atlanta now. Right now, he's letting his guys, Trey Young, shoot 30-foot three-point shots all the time, um, basically. So there, there is something that seems concerning where, like, they don't understand the coach dynamics needed to be successful, and then they go out and get a coach who doesn't, like, and then led to this guy being hired who also doesn't really fit anything. Yeah, and we've seen from Jay Michaels reporting that, like, his interview came off so positive, right, which – was interesting because then you hear all this stuff like right after he got hired, like other people are like, really? Like he, he's getting a head coaching job. You know, it was surprising to the people who had interacted with him before. And like, even if you wowed in the interviews and again, his X's and O's ideals like make sense when you say them and think about them, they just didn't fit this Pacers roster at all. So that, that hiring process was strange. I do want to talk about that later, but yeah, that was, that it's kind of a weird instant reaction when those two things clash in your head, because on one hand, you kind of got to give the Pacers credit for like, it is embarrassing. Right. Kevin Pritchard talked about like this was a really hard firing for him because he's basically admitting he messed up in a big way when you fire your coach after one year. So it's kind of embarrassing. So to make the right choice and say sunk cost fallacy, screw this, we messed up. Let's move on. If Herb Simon will pay us two coaches, let's move on. Let's get this right. Let's get the better coach in. That's good. But the reason they're in this situation is because they made a bad choice before, right? It's like last summer, they salary dumped TJ Leaf. It's like, yay. We cleared this money on the books. Woohoo! Great, we can now sign this Justin Holiday and get Keelan Martin in the door and, and be under the tax. And yay! But it's like, well, you only have to do this because you screwed up the first round pick in the first place. So like, you have to kind of kind of rationalize in your head. They made the right choice, and they did, and and they did. I I still think it was the right move to move on from. But also like, how did this happen in the first place? And that's that's where this is kind of hard and. And when they move into another hiring, you have to really think about that stuff. I asked Pritchard about that today. Like, how do you evaluate your hiring process after something like this happens? And I am just blowing off of me and Adam's script of order of topics today. Sorry, Adam. But he was like, yeah, you know, it's really hard. We have to do an autopsy on our whole hiring process. And they took a really long time. They went through a bunch of data. They called everybody. Jay Michael has one of his reports. They talked to like five Raptors players, four Raptors players, Pascal, OG, Kyle Lowry mentioned by name, right? So they they did their diligence and it's just wrong, right? So then you have, it just didn't work out. So you have to look back at your hiring process, make sure you can get it right the next time. But you'd still do, I think, to an extent, because it, it's pretty easy for them to go, well, we really believe in this guy last summer. Let's try to run it back again. We, we you know, we're not idiots to go, okay, we, we screwed up. Let's get this right and move on. And I, I, I give them credit for that, despite their initial screw up. That's a, a lot of words. I apologize. Yeah. 
I, I did it, not give you anything to respond to. I just no. <laughs> I I don't know how you fix the process. I, I, that's my biggest concern. Is like how how do you? It, it's obviously always a crapshoot when you hire a coach. Unless you hire someone with, with credentials, right? So basically, what like when you hire somebody new, unproven, un you know, it's just it's it's just it's it's always going to be kind of a crapshoot because you just don't know how somebody does when they actually have the job, right? There's a difference between being like an assistant and being a head coach. I mean, they they take two different skills, skills to be good at. Now you can be good at both, but they just take different skills. And that's why you see the pipeline for the NBA for a while has been like guys who were like either basically a, an assistant coach to five bitch basically less than be head coaches or they were college guys, right? Like if you go back to it, you look at it like Brad Stevens was a college coach. So he was a head coach back in the league. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys, but that's kind of a sim. That's kind of the way it's been running right now. This when you run this kind of pipeline of like just hiring an assistant from a hot coach elsewhere, you run this risk of this happening. So I have ideas on how you fix the process, Adam, and I would like to tell you about them. But first, I would like to take a break to talk about two awesome groups of people. The first one, the great folks over at Stathead. Did you know 85% of people who play fantasy daily sports lose? It is, is that really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're not playing against thousands of our lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. You name the stakes, winner take all, you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be one on one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free right now. You can get three times back on your first pay. They're giving you 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. And of course, it's locked on Pacers. We're talking about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars ever. They just sent me. Their new flavor, I think it's grasshopper chocolate, so mint chocolate, but a little crunchier with some um, some some crackle on the chocolate. It is absolutely delicious. I had one with my lunch today. You got to try them. They're the best tasting protein bars ever. There's something for everyone. They have nine delicious flavors in their variety pack. I really love the peanut butter brownie. Adam does as well. You can try all the flavors that way. And they're great for the health conscious guy. Again, 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew protein bars. Most of them have 17 grams of protein, but only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED15, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-T-1-5. You'll get 15% off your first order, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, yes, I agree with you that, like, zooming out to the Pacers' general hiring philosophy principles, you can't just be like, easy change. We did it. Uh, like, you can't do that in one offseason. To me, the thing you can change to alter the hiring process is well, the, like obviously you can change the process a little bit, you know, look back at what you got wrong and what data gaps you had. But to me then, and Pritchard brought this up is your goals of the hiring process change. And that's how you change the process, right? So KP mentioned in his presser that Kelly Kroskov, assistant GM, former fever GM talks about hiring a coach on like a pendulum scale, right? And let's say one end of the pendulum all the way to the left is hiring a young an innovative upstart coach with all these ideas who has a unique background and was an assistant, basically like the Nate Bjorkman, Taylor Jenkins in Memphis kind of coach, right? That's the far end of the pendulum. And the other end of the pendulum is like, we're going to hire 
Mark Jackson or Mike D'Antoni, like a really established guy who has kind of older, well, I guess D'Antoni doesn't have older principles, but, you know, a really established guy who's clearly like set in his ways and like they kind of work, but they haven't really reached the mountain. Like they're good. You know what you're going to get. And then there's this whole pendulum in the middle. And KP said, you don't want to go from one end and totally failing and swing the pendulum all the way back to the other. And you have to find where you want to be in the middle. And so that was a very long swing. Go ahead. They, they did swing, right? They swung all the way to the Bjorkren side. I'm saying now. Like yeah, they swung change, from one end to the other end. To change their process now, they don't want to swing all the way back to the other end. They need to find their goals in the middle of what do they want their next coach to be because that's how they can figure out how to make this process better is, okay, what do we really want from our next coach? Like I know they, they identified stuff with Bjorkren, but they went so far to the end of the pendulum and it didn't work out. You ha- they, any, I think that is the step, first step to – updating their process and then figuring out those data gaps they had where they missed that Bjorkman can't quite be that communicator that they needed or that he'd be more rigid than they thought, you know, how, how finding those data gaps. But I understand that that's really hard to do, but those are my thoughts on changing the process going forward. And I like the pendulum analogy a lot. So I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I, I do think that the, the Pacers have a temptation because they're not a market. who can get a marquee player in the free agency that you can, you can do that in a coach though. Right. I mean, that's, right. that's the one that you can do as a franchise where you can over exceed the kind of like the mean by just getting, plucking a young coach up at the right time. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, a, a really great coach that's you can't find elsewhere for a decade. Right. If that worked out, that's what, I mean, that's what the goal was, right. You, you have to find ways in the NBA to like beat the, beat the average. Right. And as a small market team, you have less ways to beat the average because you can't get the superstars right. in free agency. Um, so it's always been a temptation. And then the pro and then the thought, right. The problem is if you go to somebody more veteran is you're limiting your ceiling probably. Right. Because you can only get so far, but it, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's all to say, it feels like the team, I don't think has an idea of what they're like, let's call it three year outlook is right. And that's, that's why you got to set your goals first. That's, that's right. The, that's probably the biggest problem is like, I think, and some of this had to go with the, they've just had some, they just had bad injury luck over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. When you go back even to the PG days, right? Like yeah, I, I think so, you can go back farther. Yeah, true. Granger 2013 even. Um, right. If you look at, they made the PG trade and like, it, it was still understood at the time. We're, we're re, they're rebuilding, right? I mean, McMillan was in the second year, but I don't think it was like, the thought was McMillan's our long-term coach. It's like, we're going to rebuild. Let's see how the first year goes on the new roster. Let's give him a chance. If he doesn't do well, we'll go hire somebody else. We're rebuilding anyways. But then they didn't need to rebuild because the team also was good or good enough. And now right. they're kind of, so then they got good enough where they just kept being this, you know, they were like almost, um, what's the right way to put this? Like they were, the, the their, their greatest enemy was their own expectations of what they were before. Right. We're like, because they were able to exceed expectations, they kept thinking they could keep doing it over and over again. And they thought, Millen's holding us back. Maybe we can just get a coach that can kind of make us break to the ceiling. But then the team now feels like it's back more like it was in 2017, 18 offseason. Yeah, no, no crawling. Remember? Crawl, walk, run. I always say it. They didn't really crawl. They skipped to walking, which isn't that happens a lot in the NBA, but they couldn't get out of it. They tried to they tried to skip speed walking and they ended up going back to learning to walk. I, that was a horrible. Yeah. And, and there's a good chance the team makes, makes the playoffs next year again, and could be a top five seed if things, you know, if injury luck goes their way, I just, again, I still don't, don't know what like the three-year goal is. Cause I don't know how this team even gets any conference finals the next three years without like a lot of injury luck. Yeah. So I want to bring up something else Pritchard said today that I thought was interesting. 
So we, uh, beyond why he got hired in the process of that, you know, we'll talk about going forward tomorrow. By the way, we're going to name candidates, a fit, like guys we actually like name us tomorrow, and we'll get to the like traits the guys should have later today. But anyway, something I think Pritchard said today that was interesting is he said it was his decision, right? Like he, he consults, he calls them Herbie and Stevie, uh, Steve Simon and Herb Simon, which I love. He said he talked to them, of course, like they're his boss, but um, he said, this was my decision, right? And I think that's good. Like, okay, obviously he messes up with the hire. That's bad. Good on him to get the hand up there that like he messed up. You know what I mean? I think, I think that has some value in this process as well. Uh, especially as, as he said, he beat himself pretty beat himself up pretty hard over it. So maybe that level of introspection can be helpful in changing the hiring process as well as like KP himself being like, I made this call. I realized I messed up. I was the one who sunk cost. It was, it wasn't Herb stepping in like with the Brogdon trade or uh, reportedly, I think he, he asked a kindly deal in the past um, too, right? Like he didn't supersede this time. This was KP according to him. And I understand public quotes aren't always the perfect truth, but I think that was big for him to say that it was his decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the that's not an original thought. I, I'm sure I saw somebody from Twitter said this. Um, but like, should we be happier that they decided to, like, they 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 were man, they were smart enough to realize they made a mistake and make the fire quickly, or the fact they screwed up in the first place, right? Like, like at least yeah, was not doubling down. Like, there's a you know, the less humble people would have doubled down for sure, correct? On that and just said, "Whoa, he's fine. We're gonna make it work." Richard was not that yet. He understood it wasn't working and was willing to admit the mistake. And that's the thing Richard's done pretty well, I think, in his tenure here is he makes a move. And if it doesn't work out, he doesn't just let it hang forever. I think Tyreek Evans is a good example of that. Uh, Leaf, the same thing, right? He just kind of like, he's like, it's not working. We got to move on. Like he's not, he doesn't get, he's not too emotional or attached to it. And I think part of that is because he probably has the security and they have an ownership who just lets him make his decision instead of like micromanaging the crap out of him. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't read J. Michael's reports in the Indy Star, and I'm sure more reports on Bureaucrat will pop up in the coming days, but these are the ones that Jay got up very quickly and revealed some more information, right? About the the micromanagement and the, you know, the unnecessary, some random stuff. Like it, it's pretty tough if you're a player to be coached that way, especially by a first year guy and especially a guy who isn't leading your team to wins and he talks about how KP even had to come in the locker room to like jazz up the team before after some games a few times, which should be a coach's job, right? So I'm sure that didn't make Pritchard feel any better about how the team was was being operated and going. So, you know, once they they decompressed after the season, they met with Bjorkman and they decided, you know, it, it was time to move on. And, and we, we kind of knew this timeline was going to happen eventually. This is what the last thing I want to talk about in this segment, but it's been 20 days, right? And I think that we, we talked about it earlier with the other playoff coaches, but I think that that, when it comes down to do it, was just they decompressed for a week, a little over a week. They came back. They had their internal meetings. KP said they, they talked to Donnie Walsh, uh, who retired during the season, too, because he was with the team last year, right? So he was technically potentially involved in the hiring of Bjorkman process, right? They talked to Donnie. That He talked to his management team, and then they decided what to do, and then they met with Bjorkman today to make that decision. So that I think is a key part of the timing too, is noting why, you know, the decompress week, I think every team did that except for Portland, who was just like, nah, screw this. But <laughs> the decompress well, week. Portland had a goal and they knew if they didn't get rid of yeah, goal, it was, that, it was, yeah, it was over. There. I mean, that, that was over before the season started. They same with it. Boston, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what it was. They decompressed for a while. They had their, their, they figured out KP's future and then they had their meetings. Okay. What do we want to do about, about this? They figured it out and they fired him. And, 
again, this is, this is what we'll have to, to talk about a lot this summer, especially as they are going to be doing the hiring process again. And Adam just said this, but, you know, they, they, they made the right choice now because they made the wrong choice earlier. What's what is the more important part of that? And I guess we'll find out with our next hire. Yeah, uh, I would encourage anybody to go read the Jim Ike article. He is uh, both two of them. Yeah, I guess all his coverage recently has been really good. I mean, it's been really good for the all season. I thought he's had a superb, superb season considering he's not even allowed to be in the locker room or was until recently. Yes. So one more break, and then we'll talk about the qualities the Pacers should be looking for in their next coach. Kind of going back to that pendulum uh, analogy that KP mentioned earlier. But first, of course, got to talk about one more group of people for y'all. Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, watermelon, cinnamon, and pomegranate, and also has a large lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. The lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to buy Lucy now. And it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. So it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple. You don't have to leave your house. Lucy's got delivery down. Again, FSA and HSA eligible, so you can spend pre-tax dollars on them. Locked on NBA Network listeners, go to lucy.co. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co, promo code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. So apologies to everyone if this feels a little teasy, but we want to take a day to come up with lists of candidates we like, read the reporting about names that make sense. And really you have to think about like the Pacers, we as people covering the team have to figure out what we think makes sense for this team quality wise. And then we're going to do the hiring process, Adam. We're going to find out, figure out our goals for the Pacers, figure out what they need to do, hiring a coach, what kind of person they need, and then come up with the list of candidates. So we'll do that tomorrow. Today, I just want to run through the qualities that make sense. And KP again, talked about some of that stuff today right? Leadership in the locker room, something he thinks is lacking. He stressed communication. He called it, he calls it human management, right? That's a bigger part of today's MBA with social media and all that stuff being involved in it as being a big part of the job. You know, it's a, it's a really hard job. The MBA head coaching job is so we just saw what, what Bjorken lacked and what the team needs. What do you feel like your biggest qualities would be for the next Pacers head coach? Well, if you need some names, just look at any coach who's been fired in the last week. They've all been rumored. <laughs> we as talked about Stotts today. and Clifford on Monday. If you are interested in hearing about them, and we'll have more guys tomorrow, I promise. Um, guys and gals. So uh, I hate to like say that we need to do it again, but like they need somebody who can innovate the team's offense and defense. So if they're going to play two centers, right? I mean, that's the problem. That's the biggest problem <laughs> too with any coach is that if it's going to be the roster, right? If they're going to have two centers, they've got to place like some style. And, that is unique or nobody's thinking of to make them work together. Right. Hire the guys get the stones when he comes in to say, yeah, trade one of these guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's almost <laughs> not really, but I'm, you know, no, but somebody who's, who's saying this is not going to work. I like this one. We should get rid of the other. Cause like it just, you either end up with somebody like Turner who can't, you know, shoot well in from three in offense to be, a, to actually be a stretch or end up with Sponis running around like crazy on defense, not able to guard anybody. Like it's just, you, you got to pick one at some yeah, point, they, but they, 
just by not running Bjorkren's defensive schemes, I think will improve their defense like dramatically, right? The same roster was sixth in defense two seasons ago. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, McMillan and Burke. McMillan and Burke center at the four makes your defense worse, like consistently over and over again. They were sixth with both of them starting two years ago. No, they didn't start. No, both didn't start two years ago. Smells off the bench. Yes, they did. Two seasons ago, they started both of them in the last year of McMillan. What are you talking about? Didn't Sabonis come off the bench most of the game? Oh, but no. they, he played like most of his minutes with the bench, and they barely played turn of the end of games. They played like the same. Oh, well, the, okay, sure. They still played together. I'm, I'm like sorry. You're right. You did. Minutes I mean, a game. <laughs> and they no, were sixth in defense. Like, like, I don't think they, they are going to be at that level with the new coach, McMillan. They and also had. Burke were amazing, but, you know, yeah, they, they, they can some... be better than they were this year for sure, just with the guys they have. Not to belittle the center pairing, I agree with you that, or uh, well, I don't know if you were implying this, but I think they need to move on from one of them. Either way, to me, communication is number one. And they said this last year and they screwed it up. So this comes back to the hiring process, making sure they figure out how they miss these communication data gaps. But um, I think they either need a coach, the the, the veteran coach thing's going to come up. And I added my band award from the lexicon of the Pacers coaching search. I don't know if you saw this on my Twitter feed because you don't read my tweets anymore. Um you tweet so much, man. It's hard. What, what do tires have? Tread. Yeah. Okay. So that that the word that people use that has that in it for the coaching search. I'm not using that anymore. Good coaches are good Retread. coaches. I don't. I'm not saying it anymore. Retread. Anyway, um, if they have a good history, like they're good communicators, right? And then former players, I think, might get a little more of a tick this time around because they know what the communication level takes. So. That would be near the top of my event, my list. But, you know, if you keep bets on the roster, I think they need a more veteran coach with some acumen about what this takes and, you know, how to guide a team, maybe not, you know, in the playoffs or to, to more successful regular seasons because Bjorkren had neither, right? At least Nate McMillan had the regular season part down. Bjorkren had neither. Well, I guess he might have had playoffs. We don't know. But I think I would be looking more – communication's got to be number one because if this off-court stuff spills onto the court again three years in a row, then – I mean, they, they'll just fall short again, and no one wants that. Uh, so that would be my, my number one thing. That said, I, I agree with you that you still need to look for some innovation or at least someone who can can cater sets to your team. And, you know, that's obvious with the coaching hire. We said that last summer. But I think Bjorkren had that to an extent, especially so on offense, but his defense did not at all do that. So someone who can be a little better in that way. Yeah, my biggest thing is I, I'm concerned if they go with a tire coach <laughs> you're allowed <laughs> to say it but I, I i hate that word it doesn't mean anything to me that no it, it's just that like is there a ceiling on those type if, of coaches, if it's like right? if it's like dave yeager or someone who's like they're good but like they've they haven't done anything you know well, what I mean? like, like i get i get the word kind of kind of there but even not really i don't want to say many names today but like to me they're they're, they're they're the word because they've been a good coach for other teams for a long time. Like it's, it's stupid to write them off for that to me, but well, I it, it, it's tough. Right. Cause like, I actually, now they keep bringing up Nate McMillan, but like, if you go to that, right. You would have thought, Oh, you kind of know what he is. He probably, you, you know, maybe he's not worth hiring for change of roster. But then he goes to the Hawks and he like reinvigorates that whole franchise. Like that yeah. team, but it like was interim though, they didn't know. Yeah. First. But like, but like part of it, I mean, in the NBA, I, I Having a great coach can only take you so far, right? Correct. Like, well, I'm watching the Suns uh, run the Nuggets off the floor because Monty Williams is coaching a brilliant, brilliant postseason right now. But yes, I understand. Yeah, but if the Nuggets had Jamal Murray, they might be in the series. <laughs> that, well, <laughs> so, they just beat Portland. <laughs> I mean, so there, there's that. The, the other thing is, 
like you can be a bad coach, but if you're the good player, you can still win, right? Like, I mean, not be back, but you Walt, can be. How many like, games in a row did Luke Walton win? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm even thinking like Frank Vogel's a good coach, but he's not like otherworldly. Well, Frank Vogel's great. a really good coach. You think he's other like? But you think he's top five? I guess that's what I'm saying. No, he's not top five. Right, you could be a non-top five coach as long as you've got a really good players and still win. Well, you can't yeah, be terrible. Players are always more important. Yeah, that's but, not really but, relevant but, to how I think about the hiring. Class. No, but like somebody like Coach Bud, then on the other hand, it's like. The opposite of that, right? He's got he's got the talent, probably win a championship. You just literally can't get like he, something is disconnected at times. Yeah, we'll coaching. talk about. We'll definitely mention that name again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so like I that that that's why when you go with these re, these retread, as they say, is you're running this risk of like you kind of know what ceiling you're going to hit at some point, and maybe hey, if the fine. ceiling is higher than what the Pacers have been reaching, maybe it's okay. No, and that's that might be fair. I I guess my my which fear, is everybody at this point. <laughs> my fear again is, is that. They don't have like a three-year plan. They hire this guy. It's a guy's had another job. He gets them to 47, 48 wins a couple of years of road, but the roster kind of dwindles out in talent. And that's, then they have to fire, rebuild again and get a new coach. And that's maybe the way it's supposed to go anyways. But just like, I, I don't know. At some point, like I, I would rather almost than keep taking swings at these kind of like hot shot coaches just to see if they could eventually hit on one and, and get, you know, go to the next level, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. I definitely like they have a plan. Like they're, they're no, they have a plan. I guess they're just, but it's the right plan. It's it's nailing that. Yes. Well, it, it's such a hard. Like I say, like they don't have a plan, but like how do they get a superstar in the next three years? They can't sign one. Do they have the? They may have hit one in the draft or somehow pull one out and trade. Like so, basically in the draft. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. Which is like well, that is also unrelated luck. to the coaching hire. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I'd be looking for someone whose defensive ideals are a little more simple, um, given this year. But it's like with the pendulum thing, and, and Scott Agnes kind of brought this up during the season. Is like he almost—I don't know exactly how Scott phrased this, but he was kind of wondering, like, do you kind of feel like when the Pacers, you know, they were sixth in defense under McMillan, and what were they, twenty-first or twenty-second in offense his last season? Like they almost went nineteenth. Uh, they 19th. almost went too far the other way of like, let's get this offensive-minded guy in. And they just forgot about defense. Like they can't swing back the other way where this year they were not good at defense and they got their offense into the top half of the league and go, they, they can't forget about offense either. So it's really hard. The, the laundry list, especially after you mess up a higher, the stuff you want to nail is a lot more important, especially. Yeah. With- I will say the one thing I think they need to do is have a coach who, who can balance the pace better. Cause I think they were probably a little too slow on McMillan, but they're way too. Yeah. Fast they're not built to be the fastest. Team exactly. The, that, yeah. the, the roster they have and that's the two centers thing again, is a little bit of that is that they need to play at like a reasonable pace. Like I'm not saying they need to play the 21st because if they were, I mean, they need to play probably in the teens, not in the top five. I agree with that. I agree with that. So again, we will do candidates tomorrow. Um, we subtly mentioned, I think two names, this segment, we did a good job. I think Adam, of not, so come back for that. That will be cool and interesting. And I think the list will get longer and longer, especially the interesting part. And I, we didn't bring this up today. I think this is noteworthy, though, just to throw in at the end here. Like they just interviewed a ton of people, right? So like they they have the, the notebook on a lot of these guys. That said, the process of last year was bad. So maybe <laughs> you, you don't throw out the notebook, but, you, you know. You, you but one of their finalists last year already has a job again, right? Finch was the finalist Finch, last Finch. Year. Yeah, was he confirmed as a finalist? I think he was. Uh, maybe not. Maybe just everybody thought he should be. He was. He was really. He got really far. I agree with that. But yes, he already has a job. But like, yeah, there's there's other names that they interviewed. Like KP said, they interviewed like twenty to fifty people or something. I don't remember. But anyway, we'll do specific names tomorrow, and then next week we'll talk about you know what the firing means for the team going forward and some postseason stuff. And then until they make the hire, we trudge on with the player season recap. So Adam, you got anything else today? No, I we're now heading an interesting part of this. 
We did. We thought it would happen eventually, and it finally happened. So we will continue to cover all the angles of the Nate Bjorkren firing for the rest of this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow talking specific candidates. We'll see you then.